You're on your phone scrolling through your feed when you see a little infographic that shows the number of people who are drinking is decreasing. You look up from your screen and stare at yourself in the mirror. Just yesterday, you mentioned to a friend that you were considering toning it down. And it's not that you have a problem. On average, you have like two glasses of wine when you're with friends. But what would it look like to cut out alcohol completely? And more importantly, how might it impact your friendships? You've already witnessed one of the girls in your friend group whose social invitations seem to decline as soon as she quit. But when drinking is the primary backdrop to every social gathering, how do you change your lifestyle when it threatens to shift what you know of gathering with friends? Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Amanda E. White, the therapist you know and love from the popular Instagram account, Therapy for Women. She's the author of Not Drinking Tonight, a judgment-free and relatable book about examining your relationship with alcohol. By the time you're done listening to this conversation, you'll understand, one, what the sober curious movement is all about, two, signs that a friend's drinking may have gone too far, and three, two things that might instantly change in your friendships if you decide to live an alcohol-free life. So if you're ready, grab a mocktail and pull up a chair because season four of the Friend Forward podcast starts now. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. Tell me a little bit about the book. Yeah. So it's called not drinking tonight. And it's a book really that helps people question their relationship with alcohol and explore it from really the question of would your life be better without alcohol or would your life be better if you drank less? And it really comes from I'm sober. I don't drink. Um, I also specialize as a licensed therapist in the overlap of, uh, substance use and how that impacts our mental health. And so much I find people get very stuck on, do I have a problem? Am I an alcoholic? And I think we're asking the wrong question. I think we can get so caught up in that. And instead, the more helpful question is, would your life be better if you drank less or if you took a break from drinking? Oh, I love that you're helping us kind of reframe that because we do tend to get caught up in the weeds of like, oh, do I have this problem, that problem and, and the technicalities and we want a checklist of all the things yes. So for you to kind of simplify in that way. I feel like it's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what the book is about. It's very, it explores kind of, I have it broken down into three parts. Why you drink. I go into, uh, evolutionary psychology. I go into weight, you know, trauma, shame, why we might use alcohol to numb. Um, I have a whole section on reparenting. Cause I really feel like a lot of us never learned skills like boundaries and self-care and communication and how to deal with our emotions. And, that leads us to use alcohol to deal with all those things. And then in the final section, um, it's like how to make this last. And that's where I go into friendship, romantic relationships, sex, um, all of those things. What are some of the reasons they're deciding not to drink? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things going on at the same time. I mean, we know just based on market research, based on trends, women specifically in the past decade have been drinking way more than ever before. And really big alcohol has kind of targeted women because they recognize that they were an untapped market. 
that's where we kind of saw the, um, even like mommy wine culture has come from, right? Like even Tropicana did a, um, you know, an ad about, you know, uh, mimosas in the morning and stuff like that. Uh, so women are drinking more, but at the same time, more women than ever are, and people than ever are recognizing that maybe drinking isn't serving them. Um, so that's kind of both of those things are going on at the same time. And I think Gen Z, like you said, specifically is kind of questioning a lot of things and has really opened up this whole space. So some of the reasons that someone might question their relationship with alcohol or some of the benefits are, I mean, one of the biggest things I talk about is the impact on mental health. I mean, people are drinking more during the pandemic because of this, but really we think that alcohol is a great way to manage stress or, you know, calm our emotions. But what people don't realize is that alcohol is a depressant. And when you ingest a depressant, your body always wants to be in homeostasis. So your body then ends up producing essentially anxiety hormones to bring your brain back to homeostasis. But the problem is then alcohol leaves, you know, your body, you digest it, and then you're still left with this increased anxiety hormones and you feel more anxious the next day. So if you have anxiety, I mean, I think all of us have some type of anxiety in the world right now, right? Depression or anything like that. It might temporarily make you feel better, but long-term it's negatively impacting you. Gosh, it's like a lot of people, we don't even want to know the backstory. Okay, Amanda, we just want to know that it was fun (laughs) for a night out and then be left wondering why we have these issues. But it's so helpful to hear the the big picture, to take an aerial view of, of, of the system, the cycle of what's happening over and over, and that it's not just an isolated, you know, fun night, multiple nights a week, that it's having these linger effects on, on other things. And so it's so helpful to, to kind of hear that. So let me tell you, you know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, this, 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 this subtle way and maybe not so subtle way that it's kind of ingrained itself into, you know, what we do socially. And sometimes the social activity is drinking. That's what it is. And so, you know, when it comes to our friendships, so much of our friendships are rooted in shared experiences and um, common interests, common values. What do we do? Or I guess I should ask you, what are some of the ways in which deciding to engage in a sober lifestyle might impact your friendships if that is one of the things that you all do together? I mean, what kind of impacts are we looking at on those kinds of relationships? Such a great question and such an important question because the first thing people often say that stops them from drinking less or taking a break from drinking or stopping drinking is that impact on friendships, on their social life. They say, how am I, how is it possible? I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to be a loser. It's, I mean, because like you said, it is a huge part of our culture. It's really embedded. It's, you know, small celebrations, big celebrations, work events. It really ties us together in those ways. Um, but I think the interesting thing is when you take a break from drinking or you stop drinking, you also start to realize what relationships are only tied together by alcohol. You know, you can really, alcohol can smooth over a lot of situations or you can spend time with people that if you were not drinking, you might not be able to spend that much time with them, or you may not realize that you have a lot in common with them. So I can get into more practical tips, but the the overview that I see as kind of the benefit, but also the scary part is it kind of removes all of that. So you really realize who those true connections are. And if you're looking for deeper, more meaningful connection, which I think a lot of us are, 
reducing that alcohol is going to really help because it's going to rec- it's going to help you recognize which friendships are deep, which friendships aren't. You're going to also realize what things you do that you actually enjoy doing and what things you do that maybe, you, you know, I think of sports games a lot. A lot of women like go to sports games and drink and stuff like that. And it's like, if you weren't drinking, would you enjoy that? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that's really the benefit and the hard part of um, cutting back on drinking is it kind of wakes you up and it makes it hard to numb and do things that you're not really connected to. I was just going to say, it's really powerful to hear you talk about how it acts as this immediate filter for, wait a second, do I even really enjoy this person's company? It might wake you up or I guess sober you up to, wait, what is this friendship based on? Would I elect to spend time with them if I wasn't drunk? You know, I'd so and so it's so interesting. And I guess I could see where a lot of people aren't ready to have that conversation with themselves mm-hmm. because it's very scary to entertain the idea of, you know, severing or altering friendships that are all, you know, you know, and and wondering what that might look like for the rest of your ecosystem, you know? So I get how that's really scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, I mean, I do think that's kind of why my approach isn't you have to totally stop or never drink again. I think it can be helpful to just dip your toe into it and take a break do a, you know, a dry month or something like that. And just in terms of like, you were kind of saying a lot of times our friendships, we can just fall into patterns where, you know, we go to the bar always on this night, or we come over to your house and we drink a bottle of wine and we watch this TV show. And sometimes we don't even question, is this what we want to do? Is this fun? Is there something else we can be doing? Cause we just fall into the pattern of it. So one thing you can do, even if you just kind of want to explore this a little bit is think of other things that you'd like to do with friends that don't only revolve around alcohol. Like alcohol could still be there, but maybe you go to, you know, a fun restaurant, maybe you go to a show. I mean, you know, I know COVID is <laughs> still alive and well, so it depends on the circumstances, but even just like, maybe you go to a workout class or go for a walk or a hike. And I think we can kind of get, for lack of a better word, just like complacent with our friendships, um, in what we're doing. And then, um, that can also, create complacency in our connection. And if we start putting more effort into the things that we do, we are going to feel more connected to that person. I think a lot of people relate to, you know, you get drunk with friends and then you kind of wake up in the morning and you don't really remember what you talked about. And that doesn't, isn't conducive for those like deep, meaningful, you know, know, uh, uh, time together. All right, ladies, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'm popping in to remind you that since I've returned from maternity leave, the number of coaching spots that I have available is very limited, and I'd love to have the chance to finally see you through that pesky, frustrating friendship issue that's been on your heart for a while now. So you can save and like the tips and strategies that we put on social media all day long, but if you're looking for an actual change in your relationships with other women, I'd love to help you through it. You can learn more about how we can work together at Better femalefriendships.com that's betterfemalefriendships.com see you over there 
as a coach, that is probably one of like the top three things that women bring to me is, you know, oh yeah, I, I definitely have friendships, but you know, I mean, I guess they could be more satisfying or I don't really feel like close to them. And so, you know, they're working to try to find, well, what are all these reasons? What are things I can do? And so it's almost like that's the sneaky possibility in the background for why we might be feeling disconnected is how are we spending our time together? What do our, our conversations center on? Is, is our habit together getting in the way of the very thing we're trying to achieve? And so I think a lot of us, especially women listening, haven't even made that connection as that being a possible barrier to wanting to have like the platonic intimacy with another woman that we're looking for. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because when we're drinking, I mean, you might spend five hours with someone or three hours with someone, but if a lot of that conversation is you're not connected, you're not sharing on a deep level or you're, you know, your mind is somewhere else or you're doing something you, you know, especially we don't have a lot of time these days. And I think really like making those friendships, that time we spend together meaningful is going to lead us to feel more satisfied and connected to people in our lives. Yeah. So good. So, okay. So you, you talked about how, you know, I like taking on a sober lifestyle might kind of expose some of our friendships that aren't really meaningful. They don't have a lot of substance. So what about the friend who you definitely have, um, a lot of depth with, and you all are connected. You have a history. This is your girl, right? Yeah. And you adopt a sober lifestyle and she still wants to be in your life. And alcohol yeah. is not the center of what you all share together. How does she support you? What are some ways that we can support a friend who chooses to stop drinking and we don't want to say the wrong thing or, or pressure her or, or make her feel uncomfortable, make ourselves feel uncomfortable? Do we not drink in front of her? What are the ways that that you can share that we can help support her and um, and still maintain the friendship in the meantime? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the easiest things to do is come up with other things to do that, you know, when you're spending time together that don't just revolve around alcohol, you know, some of the things I listed, maybe going to a restaurant or doing something that you like to do together. And yeah, you could not drink. That could be a great way to support the person. She also may not care that you're drinking. A lot of people don't. So I think if you're close to her, asking her that asking her, would it be helpful if I didn't drink? How do you feel about it? Some people prefer that some people are very like, I want you to do your thing and I don't want you to ever do something that you don't want to do to support me. So I think that open line of communication is really important. Um, and I think the, you know, the only other really big thing I can recommend is if you go over to her house, have something for her to drink besides water. <laughs> I think that's one of the best things you could do to support her. That's really good. That's oh, you're not drinking. So let me go get some water from the tap and you'll probably yeah. find Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like have some seltzer, have, you know, like some juice. I mean, have something fun for her. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. It's so simple, but even that gesture of not having anything for her could make her feel like you haven't even, you're not considering me or you forgot, yeah. or I'm not as special or, or so I totally see how something that small could be really meaningful. Those are really good suggestions. You know, we're kind of talking about, you know, drinking generally here and as as, as a social activity and, and something that's fun for some, but others say, hey, this has impacted my mental health. What do we do as friends when you notice a friend might have a, a drinking problem? And I know that that's kind of relative and can, can conjure up a lot of different images for people. But if you believe that what you're mm -hmm. seeing is a problem, yeah. how do we address that? Or what are some things we should keep in mind? Or what does problematic drinking look like when so much of drinking has been packaged as fun and yeah. not an issue. Um, how, what do we look for to know that, okay, maybe this is a problem. And then how do we address that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think some of the big things are if someone is drinking, um, more, like if you look for the pattern of, if it's kind of like every time you spend time with them, they're drinking kind of more, if they, um, are needing to drink more to kind of get the same effect, that's something to look out for. Um, if they're often having hangovers, if they often are skipping things, maybe they're like a really consistent friend and they start like not showing up for you or not, you know, you invite them somewhere and they no show kind of things like that, I think can be concerning or if it starts to impact their job, um, or their goals or things like that. It's hard obviously, because only that person can really know exactly what's going on. But I think that those are fair things that you could bring up in a non-confrontational way, you know, being like, Hey, I love you. I care about you. I'm like, are you okay? Like, I think starting out with rather than um, saying, I think you have a problem with drinking, or I think you should drink less, using it as an opportunity to dig into how they actually are. Because most times if someone is drinking more or um, having some problematic drinking, there's something else going on. You know, maybe they're really struggling at work or they are having some mental health issues come up. Maybe they're feeling lonely whatever. So I think really starting from how are you really what's going on? I love you. I'm concerned. It seems like things have changed and kind of go in from there. And hopefully through that non-confrontational, you know, conversation, they can open up and share what's going on and you can share no judgment. I just am worried because, you know, you've always been such a good friend to me and you haven't shown up when I invited you here or there, and I just want to make sure everything's okay with you. Yeah, that's so good. We, we talk about that often on, on the show about having these hard conversations and how it's probably best to enter into it with the, a spirit of curiosity yes. as opposed to accusation to really uncover things you might not have known unless you asked instead of assuming that you know exactly what's going on. Because I don't know if you're watching the Sex in the City reboot. Yes, or I that- am. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, I don't know if people are <laughs> tagging you in that whole situation. I feel some kind of way about this reboot, but that aside. Okay? Yes, I know. Uh, Me I too. know it's, <laughs> I'm like, mm, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the whole scene with Miranda's drinking and, and Charlotte wanting to address it and Carrie kind of her position being like, ah, eh, let's not, you know, bring that up. That's awkward. W- where do you sit on that? So I think that, I mean, to me, the biggest thing is no, like Charlotte didn't approach her being like, Hey, I love you. Or, I mean, clearly, right. We know as the viewer, like something's going on with her relationship. Like she's stressed. There are other things that are causing her to drink like that. Um, I mean, I think what's hard is anytime you kind of, I know it wasn't purposeful in the show, but anytime you like go through someone's stuff, I think someone is going to be like defensive. If you, you know, are like, Hey, I found these plain bottles in your bag. Um, so, yeah, so I think more, I think, uh, Charlotte could have gone about it in a much more curious, compassionate way. I think Miranda does have a problem with drinking. Um, but I think it could have been approached more compassionately. And I think that, uh, Carrie really minimized all of it. I mean, I think in general, Carrie, like 
you know, if we go back to sex in the city, like it has been very glamorized. And I can appreciate that they, they brought that to the forefront because I, I'm sure a lot of us have seen that in our friendships and wondered, do I mention something? Do I not? Do I mind my business? Do I tell her I care? And so it was interesting that they kind of incorporated that into the script. I thought, is there anything else that you feel like we should know about, you know, sobriety at the intersection of friendship or, or things that you feel like we just keep getting wrong about the whole idea? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think one thing that can happen, and this is just kind of exacerbated with sobriety, but I think we can, with friendship to get very stuck on how many friends we have, um, wanting, putting a lot of pressure on friendships that these are my friends and they need to fulfill all of my needs. And one thing that I think is so important, and it's, I think it really even becomes more important if you're exploring sobriety is that friendships can serve different purposes in your life. You can have, I mean, it's amazing to have close friends and that, and have friends that you can go to for multiple things, but you may also have a friend that like, you know, let's say you stop drinking you might need a friend that doesn't drink also. And it's not that there's some, you know, there's something wrong with your other friends or something like that. But I think we can put pressure on these five people need to fulfill all my needs. And it can be really helpful to have other types of friends like work friends, family friends, you know, friends that are, you know, maybe your significant other has friends, older friends, friends that you share hobbies with and take some of the pressure off of our friendships. Yeah, God, such good advice all around. And I feel like it would save a lot of us a lot of heartbreak and disappointment if we could kind of manage our expectations in that way. So that is really helpful. Um, this is, I mean, this is great stuff. And I don't really see this conversation happening as much as I'd like. So yeah. to know that you're kind of one of the women at the forefront leading this conversation and also tailoring it to women specifically. And so yeah. we can really reflect on how ingrained it is in our culture and our friendships and, and self-assess is so important important. Um, where can we follow along with, with all that you've got going on and, and other insights that you have to share? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at therapy for women is my handle. Um, I'm also on TikTok. If anyone wants to follow me over on TikTok, it's the same handle. Um, or you can check out my website, amandaewhite.com. And again, my book is called not drinking tonight, a guide to creating a sober life you love, and it's available everywhere. Books are sold. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I'm going to pose one simple question to you, and I want you to think about it until we come together again next week, right here on the Friend Forward podcast. How would your friendships change if you lived an alcohol-free life? If you can't wait until next week to answer that question, I want you to send me your reflections over at hello at betterfemalefriendships.com. But it's just something to think about and to encourage you to really spend time actually reflecting on all that you just learned. We're giving away a free copy of Amanda's book, Not Drinking Tonight. And one lucky listener will get this copy. All you have to do to qualify is post on your Instagram stories about this episode. You can screenshot the podcast or type out a little blurb about what you took away and then be sure to tag us at friend forward. We'll collect all those who tagged us and reveal the winner in next week's episode. If this really resonated with you and you just realized a lot of friendships lack the depth that you've been pursuing and alcohol is the glue that holds you together, you might need an entire reevaluation of your friendships. 
So consider joining our group coaching program, Friendship Elevated, where you'll learn my framework for mastering adult friendships. It's an eight-week program where you'll get access to my lessons and, the best part, four coaching sessions with me. I'd love to see you over there. So until then, know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your journey toward better female friendships. Until next time. Thank you.